today, so much of what we do is fit life into this tiny little space after work. You know, work takes up 90% of our day. And then we try to pack all of this really important stuff for our family into this small amount of time. And I really want to reframe the way we look at our time and, and that we align our money with that because our life is what's happening in all of us. And when we feel connected as a family with our family values and we feel that it aligns with our personal values, then you can be a powerhouse. You can make decisions really quickly. You've really gotten through fights that you didn't even know you were going to have because you've already decided how the family will decide. Hello, hello, blissful parents out there. Michelle Abraham, your host. I am so glad you're here. I'm here with a special guest today. Her name is Jenna Scholl. Jenna, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thank you for having me. Awesome. Janice is the host of the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast, and uh, which is really awesome. Janice focuses on really helping moms with the, during the career break that we sometimes take for fun for vacation, or sometimes we take because of maternity leave, sometimes we take it for all sorts of different reasons. Maybe someone got ill, maybe there was a pandemic, maybe there was, who knows what happens, right? But Janice is passionate about eliminating the money and work-life challenges that women face through stages of motherhood. Through her work, she supports mothers in their quest to be financially empowered and use their skills while being fully present for their children. So she's the host, as I mentioned, of the Money, Career, and Motherhood podcast and a frequent speaker on topics of motherhood, money, and career breaks and family finances. So Janice, I'm really excited to dive in today because you and I have chatted before and like there's so many cool things about your background and your family. Um, You've done some really neat things and you guys kind of operate as a family a little bit differently than a lot of other families do, which is why you're able to come here as an expert and share with us some of the really cool things that you have found when it comes to being empowered with your money and making those choices as a family to live in a certain way, or maybe take, take those sabbaticals or take those career breaks. So tell us a little bit about how you got started and what you're talking about today. So I got started um, in my career in commercial banking, and I spent 10 years in commercial banking and finance. And so most of my time was dedicated to analyzing risk. What so you know it we don't realize that we have risks that we take every single day in our families when we're making a decision. And honestly, guys and girls, a lot of times we are taking risks by not making decisions. We try to avoid decisions in our families that we don't want to make. And that is just as much a decision as intentionally making that choice. You know, I had this experience of managing risk. And then we had the opportunity to manage some risks of our own, which was have two kids and then move overseas. So we went for my husband's job, which meant that I found myself in a foreign country with two small children unemployed, which was a really enlightening experience. And it really opened our eyes to kind of operating in a different way. The first stage was I was a woman who was really dedicated to my career. And even though we had had challenges with our first child managing everything, I had never intended to leave my career. So here I was trying to figure out what do I do when I wake up every morning? You know, that sense of like needing to be in a meeting didn't go away, but yet I had a different lifestyle. So 
I was able to really open my eyes to different ways of doing things. We lived in two foreign countries. The first one, it took us like six months to plan. The second one, it took, we decided over a weekend and we did it in 30 days. So we got a lot better at making decisions is really ultimately what this comes down to. And the way we focus our family, and we call it the unit, it's not a team. It's not where you have superstars on a team or anything, but it's really the unit, making sure that we're all functioning to the best of our ability for the greater good of our unit. We use our family values to guide everything we do. And that is within my career break or also within my husband's career and looking at what's best for us as a family and also in our finance. Uh, something that's missing in finances. And honestly, a lot of the reasons people don't take career breaks is because they don't financially believe they can. But when we use our family values as a guide to what we need to do, we can use our money as a tool rather than kind of just chasing the money, which is what so many of us are stuck doing. Yeah. Amazing. As I was telling you before we got on this call, I was talking to one of my branding, uh, my branding coaches, and she was in Costa Rica. Her family just moved from Colorado, Colorado to Costa Rica. Her daughter's going to a school down there. Their plan is for a year, right? She was just like, this is amazing. Like, I think they didn't think that it was possible to do that a few months ago and they just did it. And she was saying how cool it was. And uh, I think that's neat. I mean, it doesn't always have to be for travel or anything, but let's back it up to the family values first. So how do you like, so, you know, we all have our personal values, but like, I think having values as a family, maybe some people haven't really thought of that as a unit and a whole family situation. So how do you even, even start to navigate into that question and how old should or that conversation and how old do you think your kids should be when you start doing that conversation? So I think the younger they are, the better, because the more natural the conversation is. So our kids are now about 12 and eight, and they're active participants in these conversations. And we do them at the dinner table and they're a little less structured than they used to be because my husband and I have gotten better at making it just like a fluid thing. It's a normal dialogue for us to talk about what's important to us. We talk about, you know, we live in a crazy world right now with so many things and, you know, finding ways to have age appropriate conversations with the kids are a natural way to talk about, hey, what's happening in our world? And what do we believe as a family about what's happening in our world? And what do we believe that requires us to act in a certain way based on what's happening in the world around us? So that's kind of the first piece. The second piece is just, you know, what do we value individually and as a team or as a unit? Again, one of the things we like to ask our kids, and you can ask them when they're really young, are like, what are some of the things that mom and dad always say? Or what are the things that we tell each other when we're facing a challenge? What are the catchphrases, if you will? So one of them that we never really thought about that our kids brought up was safety first. It was the first thing they thought of. We were like, safety first? That's what you've got? But it actually makes a lot of sense because it's not just, you know, do we put on our seatbelt when we get in the car? It's mitigating that risk piece. It's back to the fundamental way, like my husband and I both look at things. And safety first means, hey, if you want to do something like live in Costa Rica for a year, you can do that. But how do we do that safely? Safely means making sure that our finances are in order, making sure that there's a purpose to the trip and that there's a strategic way to maybe reintegrate into the world that you want to go back into later on because it's only a year of your life. It's not forever. So really, it's being strategic 
in a way that the kids take it in as safety first. In our family, you know, we're all lifelong learners. So making sure that we are aligning what we do every day with opportunities for our kids to learn, we think school is great, but the world is better for them to be learning through experiences. So not only do we look at our time and find ways to allocate time to teaching our kids and having them learn in the world by travel and things like that, but it's also Do we put our money where our mouth is? This is where you align your values and your money. Because today, so much of what we do is fit life into this tiny little space after work. You know, work takes up 90% of our day. And then we try to pack all of this really important stuff for our family into this small amount of time. And I really want to reframe the way we look at our time. And that we align our money with that because our life is what's happening in all of us. And when we feel connected as a family with our family values and we feel that it aligns with our personal values, then you can be a powerhouse. You can make decisions really quickly. You've really gotten through fights that you didn't even know you were going to have because you've already decided how the family will decide. I love that. And, you know, I think, do you find that that is uncommon amongst the people you talk to or do you find that, yeah, a lot of people have sat down with their families and talked about their values? I think it's uncommon. You know, it's common that we have values. You know, a lot of people could guess what some of their values are and, you know, maybe their faith, family first, friendships, education. There's a number of different things, but really sitting down and not just going with like this checklist of buzzwords of what you think your families should be and looking at what they actually are, are really different. And what what happens more often is that we have an idea of what our values are. Sometimes we have an idea of what our values should be. And that's why another reason I love having the kids involved because kids will keep you honest, man. They're like your little mini accountability partners. They will tell you what you actually value, not what you think your aspirational yeah. values are. One of my daughters said to me yesterday, mom, I thought you said you're going to go for a walk every day. Oh yeah, I did. Okay. I'm going. Yes. <laughs> yes. They are. They are really good little accountability partners. I am telling you, but it's just, we're so busy that we don't check in with what we intend to be. And where the real surprise happens is that we do have some idea of what our values are, but we don't really check in to see that we're living them. And that's where I I really think a lot of this discontent and discomfort that people have with their lives are because they're not living their values. Mm -hmm. They're living to work and then trying to live their values in this little space. Yeah, I, I agree. And it's funny, my family, we had, and you know this story, but for our listeners, maybe that haven't heard this story yet, we were finding that like, we had kids, this was great. But at the end of the day, we had kids to have a family so we could spend time together. And my husband and I were like trading spaces at the door. So he would be commuting like three hours a day. And we like one day we're like, okay, wait, we've done all the things. We checked all the boxes, right? We went to school, got a career, or I started a business. We had uh, bought a house. We had kids. We had the 
great car that we wanted. But then we're like, are we really happy here? Like we, we we're in the suburban neighborhood where everyone leaves at 7am. They come back at five and it's like, there's not, there wasn't that quality of living that we wanted. So we ended up selling our house. Um, but it was a decision I mean, you talk about decisions. And it was funny because this decision took us all like two years of talking about, it. we'd always go to our summer vacation place, which was my husband's family's home on the, um, um, you know, a ferry ride away, a couple hours away from where we lived, but it was my husband's happy place. And our kids loved it. We loved it. We spent every weekend going there. And it's like, why are we spending the days working to then go away on the weekend? And then, you know, that's the life and then come back to our life. And it's like, why don't we just live there? That'd be our life. And it took us two years to make this decision. And it wasn't because, you know, the universe gives you little nudges and little nudges. And finally, like our water pipes broke in our house. We had to get a renovation and move out. <laughs> and so literally once we were moved out, we're like, well, we might as well, you know, put it for sale and see what happens. And within days it sold. And so I think, you know, the point of that story is that really take a look and take that evaluation. I think a lot of us in the last 18 months have done that, evaluate how you're feeling with like what you thought life was going to be and where you are right now. And then what's the next steps, Janice? So once you assess your values, you've got to see, do exactly what you did. And and I think that people do a lot of times need that kind of jarring experience to kind of take them out of their environment. I like to say, like, I'm just a really slow learner. The universe has to hit me hard a few times before I'm like, oh, this is what you've been meaning to tell me. I just don't get it very quick. And and again, that goes to like, we're programmed to operate a certain way. We're talking about was so much of people who are, are living exactly the life that they aspired to. Yeah. Or that we're told that we should the American it, dream, right? Exactly. They're they're living it and they're like, I don't know why I'm not happy with this. And then for a lot of moms in particular, but it happens for dads too, parents are like, now I feel guilty. I feel guilty because I'm not happy with this life that I've worked so hard for. And I should be grateful for all of the amazing things that I have in life. Why am I not happy with this? And it it goes to looking at your values. And the next step is really setting up your finances to make the decisions, to take the big risks. So you changed what you did by moving houses. You, your husband started working for, like, I think he started a business, you started a business, right? You both exited kind of the traditional corporate world and said, no, we're just going to live our own way. So you really have to define, okay, well, if we have these values, if this is what's important to us, then what needs to happen? What needs to be a reality for us? And a lot of times it's more lifestyle than aspirational goals. You need to set aside these 23-year-old goals. I call them 23-year-old goals because for a lot of us, like we graduated college by then, we started working a real job. Maybe we got a little bit of money and we see what other people in our line of profession are working like. And we're like, okay, this is the path for me. And it's like this linear path that we think we're going to climb. Put 23-year-old and her or his ideas of what your life should be aside Mm -hmm. and look from the place of where you're sitting today and what is actually a good lifestyle. And then from there, you build that life and say, okay, well, what can I do within this life? And boundaries are good. Boundaries are starting places for you to build something meaningful. So, you know, if you have young kids and that's a constraint, for you professionally, that's not a bad thing. Build a career and a profession around that. And that's really, you know, career breaks 
are designed to be like the catalyst. They're the breath that you can take where you can say, do we want this house? Is this really worth it? It's the jarring experience so many of us need to get aligned with our values. So it's looking at, okay, well, what do I want? You know, for us, when we moved, we we live in Nashville now. And when we moved here, my husband had been working where, you know, two and a half hour drive home was not uncommon. And so he was like 20 minutes, 20 minute drive home. That narrowed down our area to look for a house dramatically because it's like, I'm not going to live in the car anymore. I'm not going to spend my time away from the kids and our family just to sit in traffic. So it, it seems really simple, but then it makes really complex decisions easy for you because then we could, we had never been to Tennessee. I've never visited Tennessee and we bought a house before I moved here. We could do that because in our minds, we had already decided what was important. That's the hard step. The next step is just saying, okay, well, if we know what's important, we know what we value, we know what we want to, how we want to live that value, the decision is almost already made. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's an interesting, I love, I love how you break that down because that's not, I don't think how most people operate, right? Where it's like they, they look at something and they look what they want and then they think that they can't get it or they it's too hard to get it or that decision just never gets made by, by having those values and those, that boundary that makes a decision so much easier. So I love, I love how you sum that up for us there. So cool. So now you really help people take strategic sabbaticals. So whether that's like, like a maternity break or a fun break, we did, we, after we moved, after we sold our house, um, it gave us the opportunity to buy an RV and go travel for six months with our kids. That was so fun. Our kids like enjoyed that so much. And so I'm so grateful for that experience. They, you know, my son was in kindergarten, so it didn't really matter. He missed six months of kindergarten. I think he had way more education <laughs> in the little trip that we did. And they still, they, that was four years ago. And my kids still talk about that like every day today. So it's so cool. So now you're helping people grow their family, grow their success and grow their career, but also allow them to take that sabbatical, right? Is that right? Yeah. You know, I find that a lot of times it's after kid number two and it's a mom who has dedicated her life to her career until this point, managed to hold together her family. She's trying so hard and it's this purpose versus paycheck analysis that happens. And it happens alongside other things, like either there's a situation where you have to move out of your house for a period of time, or you've relocated because of a spouse's job potentially, or you know your kid needs you more at home because they're dealing with some challenges medically or at school. There's a number of, but, but ultimately there's this discontent professionally at the same time that you have a challenge that you need to invest more into. And so a career break can be a solution to a problem, but it's also this window of opportunity that you don't have in your ordinary life to, again, take yourself out of the grind and look big picture at what's important to you. And so it's a weird time for people to think to take the opportunity to really build goals, professional goals during a career break, but it is an excellent opportunity to invest in skills. It's an excellent opportunity to broaden your network beyond just the industry or the scope that you were in before. It gives you the opportunity to try new career paths that you don't know, but you think you might be into. And I'll tell you something like, we're not as good at knowing what we'll like as we think we are. When I was in banking, I used to always think I would want to work in corporate finance. It would be wonderful. It was going to be so much more stable. It was going to take away the the stress of banking from my old life. And I would be able to focus on my kids. And you know what? I thought it was boring. 
You think you know what that next path is going to be, but you really often have to try it out. So using your career break, break strategically to do what the best next thing is, instead of looking at it as, you know, I say your career break doesn't have to be a career end. And right. often when we're solving a, a problem on a career break, we think it's the end and it might be. Maybe for that particular job, right? But, maybe but it's a beginning it. too. That's yeah. exactly right. And it, and it doesn't have to be an end if you don't want it to be. There are a number of different steps that you can take to remain professionally employed in your old career place if you choose to. But, you know, it's that opportunity that you find you discover often that maybe you do want something different. Yeah. And it's not necessarily, I mean, you, like you said, there's so many different reasons you can take that break, whether it's by choice or by obligation or by, you know, life. And it's such a good, and it's interesting time to really think about what really matters most. And I think a lot of people, you know, as we're sitting here, almost post pandemic, or still kind of at the tail end of it, a lot of people have had the chance to do that. Maybe in the last few years, I've seen a lot of people switch careers and switch jobs or switch, you know, how they operate in their life and realize that no way, you not go back to the office. This was a good way of, you know, operating or, oh, I can't wait to go back to the office because working from home was not great. So <laughs> uh, there's that way. So when people have this opportunity here, like you said, it's a great chance to just kind of think of what's going on. What's your guys' family? What, what have you guys decided is like the next, like, do you do like have another goal? Like after then you've made a decision, you know, move and live somewhere else. Then, then what's the next steps for a family? Do you sit down again and say, okay, now we're here. Like, do we have another goal that we start working towards? Yeah. And ours, I like to divide life into different lives, if you will. You know, there's different stages and what we're doing with our kids at this age is going to be different than when we have two teenagers, for instance. And, you know, when it was like the survival mode, early parenting years, that's really different than the place we're in today. I don't necessarily divide it into like, okay, well, we've accomplished this goal. We've checked this box. What's the next thing? Because sometimes, you know, commitment is important, but circumstances change. The pandemic is a perfect example of that. So really it's, are these goals and are these values relevant to us based on the life that we're in today? Mm. Not, you know, what do I want to do when I retire? And believe me, I'm all about forward thinking and planning for your financial future, but live your best lifestyle for the life you're in today and look forward and figure out what the next one might look like, but really don't set goals that you're going to feel like are not changeable. That is, I think, my biggest plan for people is that they have to look at the stage that they're in, set goals on that, recognize the triggers when the, the stage of life changes, and that's when you execute a new goal, a new plan. Hmm, I love that. Yeah. And uh, we recorded an episode with Mia Moran uh, a few weeks ago, and she's talking about seasons and planning your goals within seasons. And that made so much sense. So then you're not setting yourself up for a failure of like so long, so far in advance, or so stuck to plan that you can't be um, open to change. And I think change is something 
I've heard, I've always loved change. I love change, but I think it's because I moved so many times as a child that I always looked at it as a new adventure and something new, something fun. Whereas I feel so many people are so fearful of change and change of seasons and things. So you mentioned when you were talking about that, looking for the, the changes in time for some triggers, what are some triggers that, you know, could happen that might be a sign of a new change or a new challenge or a new, new season? <laughs> Well, it's definitely the age of your kids. You know, that is one because your availability to do different things will change. My, neither of my kids were easy infants. So like there is a stage of life where you're like, I just need to survive. I just need to get through this stage because (laughs) yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like I just need to manage to feed everyone and occasionally get us clean. That's the best I can do right now. And then one day you, you wake up and you realize I'm not in survival mode anymore, but I'm still operating like I was. And so I think time is a really good gauge of where you're at in life. How are you spending your time today? And what do you believe your time will be spent doing tomorrow? So right now I have an elementary schooler and a middle schooler. And I can see now I know what the path through elementary is like. And I know what my involvement with the kids are at the different ages. And I can see how my life is going to look when I have a middle schooler and a high schooler, right? That's going to be really different. I'm, I'm getting the glimpse of like, I'm not cool anymore. And <laughs> we're going to change from this in, intense, like I want to be with you to um, my kids are going to need me different. Mm-hmm. What does that look like for me? And how do I make sure that I'm personally fulfilled And my kids are fulfilled in a way that supports, again, the family values. And so looking at your time and how you spend it, understanding when the time schedule is going to change, and then understanding what's important to you at that stage. Again, I'm a lifelong learner. So right now, uh, what I'm looking at in my free time is what can I learn that's different skills that will help me when my kids get to that next stage. So I'm like, okay, y'all, you can't even understand how bad I am with computers. Like it's so bad. It's so bad. But I've decided that I'm going to do some computer certifications. I'm going to learn coding. I'm going to do this stuff today because there's no pressure. And I do have some free time now that my kids are getting a little bit older, but I believe that I might use that in a profession in the future. It kind of gives me the ability to start to taste things in this season, but I intend to use them in the next season, you know? So it's like overlapping the things that you're doing. It's almost like you can um, now be able to help your kids with their homework at a higher level when they get into. Yes. <laughs> so those parents that weren't so great at math should probably start looking at math on your kids who's still in elementary school. It might help you to help them with their homework in high school. Okay. Seriously, people, I did take a lot of math and I am a person who likes math now, but I did not like math when I was in school. And that's another, like I'm looking at taking a math class because it's not that I can't help my daughter, but you know, 20 years is a long time and they do things differently. So really those are things that like you can do today to prep you for the next stage. If education is important to you, understanding how you're going to support your child's education, not just financially saving for college, but like, how do you walk them through the stages is important. Maybe it's taking a math class, maybe it's doing something else, but those are the kind of things you want to be questioning yourself about. Like, okay, Education is important. What does that mean? How am I actually going to execute? 
it's great to have an idea. It's great to have a feeling, but we need to talk about steps that you can actually take to support what you want to accomplish. That's awesome. And I love how, like, you know, in the different seasons, you've got a little bit of free, more free, more free time right now. And, you know, just observing how that changes over time. And uh, I, re- I remember telling my, my husband, well, he was like, well, the kids just want you. Like, why am I here? And I'm like, oh, don't worry. I'm like, I'm going to be not so cool when you're out there doing all the cool ATVing and, you know, whatever, yeah. chopping firewood. And they're going to be more interested in what you're doing than what I'm doing. So don't worry about that. Um, my question is like, what if you haven't sat down as a family? to do values yet but uh, how do you get your partner that maybe is might not be on board with that or might not be understanding what you're trying to do how what's some ways that we can navigate that conversation to get partner on board first and then approach and then as family unit yeah so it's complicated because (laughs) if you do it in a way that makes them feel like all right we're gonna fight right now (laughs) You know, and because one of the things that we talk about a lot when we're talking about values is money. And I'm telling you that you use your values to use your money as a tool. So like, don't lead with money (laughs) because you're going to fight. This is one of the number one causes of stress in families, right? But sitting down and saying, hey, you know, what's important to you? What are you feeling? You know, like kind of if you have a spouse that you can just sit down and say, I think we really need to like be committed to family values. And I want to write a mission statement and you're, and you know, they're going to be like, yes, this is a great idea. Do it. But if you have somebody that you think is not going to be super into it and they're like, you want me to do like homework and work, work, a family? No, then, then try and pick up their cues because whatever their discontent is in life. And let's be honest, we're all overstressed. We're all overworked, but our reasons for that feeling are different depending on who we are. For one woman, it could be, I'm not professionally working to my full capacity and I'm frustrated about that. For another woman, she's thinking about leaving her professional work and taking that career break and saying goodbye to the traditional path, understanding the discontentment that your spouse is facing and then asking them, like digging into that because it probably has to do with them not living a value that they hold personally. If you can start at that place, now you're solving problems together. The whole goal is to have the conversation in a way that you are a unit. You are together. This is not a fight where you have to have one value win over the other. You're not going to have one value. So start at a place where, hey, I understand that this is hard for you. What would make it better. That's the start of something that you can have a dialogue and be like, I understand that this is really important to you for our family. For instance, the driving, you know, my husband did not want to spend his time in the car. It's not really the car that was the problem. The problem was he felt disconnected from the family. He was never home for dinner. He was never home to help with homework and have those conversations that we were having on a regular basis. His goal was not really to be in the car less. His goal was to be involved in our family more. And so once you understand that place of where their value is disconnected, then you can really start to, okay, well, number one, we can't have you at dinner every single day, but I know this is important to you and that you feel like we're missing. We're going to hold dinner for you 
when we can. And we're going to make sure that one of the really important family conversations that we're having is not during the week. It's going to be on the weekend when we know you're going to be home. We're going to wait to talk about things differently because of that. Those are some of the things that you can do early on to get your spouse engaged without even really telling them that you're going to sit down and have a family values talk. (laughs) (laughs) I like it. That's awesome. That was a great explanation of that. And I think that, you know, don't start with money. This is really good advice. (laughs) Typically, where we want to go first, right? So that's awesome. I said, <laughs> my husband's been into watching all these like sailing shows. There are all these families that are out sailing and they live on their civil. And I sat down to him the other day. And I was like, so is this our next adventure? <laughs> He's like, um, I don't know. <laughs> so, so funny. And Janice, this has been so great. Like, I think this is really cool. You've really, I think, opened a lot of our minds to some possibilities and some ways that you can operate differently as a family to really ensure that every Everyone is living a lifestyle that they're happy with and that, um, you know, starting with the family values is so important. And I love including your kids in that part too. So uh, that's been awesome. Where can we find out more information about you? Obviously we can go and tune in and go give Janice a listen and subscribe and a review to the Money, Career and Motherhood podcast. You can find it on all the podcasting platforms and where else can we, where else do you want to send us to, to find out more information about working with you? Yep. You can connect with me on Instagram at Money, Career, Motherhood. Facebook, it's the same. And also the website is moneycareermotherhood.com. And I would love to connect. Awesome. That makes it easy. It's all the same all across the board. (laughs) I love it. All right. Thanks so much, Janice, for joining us today. And blissful parents out there, go connect with Janice. Any last words, Janice, before uh, before we let you go? Just make decisions. Make decisions because a lot of times we're letting life happen to us and we're letting money happen to us. But be in control, run your own family and live the life that you want, please. Awesome. Thank you so much, Janice. All right, blissful parents, go out there, be blissful, have a wonderful week. Stay tuned. Talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Blissful Parent Podcast. For complete transcriptions of this show, as well as helpful links to resources mentioned in this episode, please visit our website at theblissfulparent.com.